welcome back to the Vulture Boys podcast. This is Vulture Boys. We're ripping apart everything today. Today, Casey Scott Hi. Fritz the Fifth. Yep. Has has the topic. I can't wait to hand it. Before we get into it, though, before I introduce you officially, even though people know you, uh, I do want to say thank you for everybody that has subscribed and rated and left a comment. Yes. And if you haven't had a chance to do that. Uh, we obviously one of the bummers is that we live in the world of all these algorithms and that's yeah. one of the ways that you can help get the word out is by giving that a rating subscribing and or leaving a comment all three are helpful one is better than nothing so would you do that would you encourage people to do that Casey and are yeah. you a person who rates podcasts yourself um I'm actually not a person who rate, I think the only podcast I've rated is uh your other highly successful podcast intentional parent that might be the only one i've rated even like podcasts i love like smartless or always sunny i don't think i've even rated those they just don't need that okay help. but that's so that's exactly what i was gonna say i was gonna yeah. say it just doesn't feel like they need the help exactly but yeah but, but i did so, so thank <laughs> yes. you i do yeah i do well you know you know what else has been nice is since this podcast launched a couple of weeks ago we have had a good number of people reaching out sharing their stories um, so far. And that has been awesome. So if something is resonating yes. with people and they're sharing it on the social or sharing it with us, I, I'm actually just grateful to see the reaches of this, of our little fun get together that we happen to record. So it's been nice. <laughs> Can I just give people a visual of you today? Can I just give people a visual? It's well, um, okay. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's rough. A gift. That's why I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, with a shaved head and a beard. It is very hard to look like you're not put together. The whole vibe is mm. like mildly together and not put together all at the same time. That's right. the juxtaposition yes. is what makes it great. Yeah. But your Paramount shirt, you're wearing a Paramount shirt. Oh, yeah. That you is, can see that. I can see that. I love it. Is it a sweatshirt? It's a sweatshirt. It's a very Los Angeles sweatshirt. It's an old crew sweatshirt. Like so a, can you tell me really quick the juxtaposition between your, uh, the weather that you are experiencing right now in Connecticut, and I will explain where I'm at weather-wise. So we are in October, middle of October. It should be cold everywhere at least freaking, on these coasts, but freaking freezing, dude, we're dying. I'm dying. And we have a horrible home. And what I mean by that is our, our heat is so hard in this house. We've lived in like a, almost like a mountain lodge house where you can see the top floor exposed from the downstairs. So we just lose yes. all sorts of heat and be, people are going to be freaking out and saying, turn on your fans. We do do that. But guess what? It's still <laughs> cold. Okay. It's freaking freezing our house. I don't even want to tell you how much we spent in heating last year, but it was a lot, thousands of dollars. And we have a fireplace okay, so going. And you, okay, so do you have the option with your electrical company to do that thing where you sign up and it basically yep. uh, it calculates your uh, yep. energy over the year and then it splits it up into smaller payments? Do you have that? We do kind of, it's, but it's just really expensive. Um, so you still end up having to pay a lot. Yeah, we're still paying the same amount, but why do I want to pay for that in January? I mean, I understand. I pay for that in January because I pay for it. It's just, it's just really sad. So I'm, I'm dressed, I'm wearing my wife's jacket. My wife has a very big jacket I'm wearing. I'm wearing, I'm wearing multiple pairs of socks and, and slippers <laughs> and I'm wearing sweatpants and I look like a hobo who it's just, it's bad. A very intelligent hobo though, I'd like to say. And also I would like to point out that where I'm at is not that at all. It's like 80 degrees today. I have no idea what's going to on. To be fair though, be freezing here. to be fair, you're dressed like you're in my state. Yeah, because after living in Los Angeles, you just go, I don't dress for the weather. I dress how yes. I feel. Yes. And so then I got, then I've just taken that to, to heart. Like whatever I feel is that's what I wear. So today was a hoodie day, man. I'm going for it. I'm going I, hard. I wore a beanie every day in Los Angeles and people would give me the craziest look. It's like, I don't care. I want to wear a freaking beanie. You do you. Get off my butt. I'm going to wear a beanie. <laughs> You're like, I'm trying not to sunburn this old yeah. dog in. Okay, right. Casey. Casey's yeah. on the hot seat today. I can't oh, wait uh, so to, to pick apart this conversation. But would you please? And and our before we just move on, our conversation last week, very fun topic. And thank you for being such a good sport again to jump in and to not know what we were going to talk about. And I thought that you did a lovely job of understanding, seeking it, not just accepting everything you heard. You did a great job of helping us rip that apart. So I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for bringing it. I am hoping for the same level of engagement on the stupid, wild, radical, wonderful, insane topic I'm bringing today. Okay, okay so give it to us. We are, we're going to be talking about a lot, but basically, essentially, we're going to be looking, we're going to be ripping apart animal cruelty 
and how it's displayed and played out within such things as SeaWorld and zoos. And so we have a lot Whoa. to this. And there is a, there's a spiritual aspect to all of this, of course, as all, all, all aspects of life that I really mm. am looking for your insight on because there's some stuff that I am genuinely cur curious about that we hinted to in earlier episodes. But what I'd like to do today is start with um, a story. And it's a hit, pretty hit insane story. Feel free to interrupt as much as you possibly can or need to because I'm not joking, Brooke. What I'm about to tell you is going to blow your freaking mind. This is going to blow. <laughs> literally, you're going to freaking explode. So <laughs> you've said you've said freaking so many times. It makes me think that it's that it's going to be a good one. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> here we go. It. Here we I'm go. I'm so excited. So um, some people know this story, but I'm assuming you don't. Many, many years ago in San Francisco, California. You've been there? You've been the big, you've been, been, been SF, huh? Uh, Hmm? Yeah, yeah, but, but you just said I assume you have it. What it, what is it about me that gives you the air that I have no idea about what you're your about personality, to say? your personality. Oh, your intellectual. Okay, that's fair. okay. <laughs> <laughs> your intellectualism <laughs> seems quite low. So <laughs> that's fair. Fair. No, no. so many years. Yes, ago, I've been to San Francisco. I love yes. San Francisco. You probably understand that San Francisco is extremely um, popular for being known for having gray white sharks. Uh, gray whites are obviously attracted to colder. Pacific waters. San Francisco yep. is extremely famous for this. Alcatraz, there's a lot of great white tours there. They are constantly great white sharks in the San Francisco area. Some mm -hmm. time ago, I'm going to say early 2000s, they uh, witnessed something that would transform the way we understand marine biology and the interplay between great white sharks and orcas, killer whales, that will forever change the, the course of history and science. Something okay. happened where multiple orcas, around this time in San Francisco, attacked, caught on camera, a gray white shark. This, okay. this explains a lot to us. One, that we know who wins the fight. It's always been who's top predator, who's the actual sea wolf. We do know it's now the orca. Why? Yep. Here's where things get a little bit crazy, and here's where my story's going to start to take off. The orca attacked the gray white shark by putting it in what's called tonic immobility. Tonic immobility is what happens when you take a shark and you put it upside down. The shark then completely goes to sleep. I don't know if you oh, knew this I've about heard sharks. About this. Yeah. So I've sharks, heard this about sharks. Yeah, yeah. If you toss, put a shark upside down, it'll pass out for a short while, maybe like a minute or a couple minutes. The killer whales did this to the shark. This exploded whale biologists, marine biologists going, how in the hell did it know how to do that? Yeah. So, yeah. So what happens is you, what you have to remember is that there are orcas all over the globe. There are orcas all over the globe who are specifically specific hunters to their certain areas. So we, ha we know that mm -hmm. there's orcas that kill seals. We know there's orcas that kill stingrays. We know there's orcas that kill gray white sharks. So I'm going to get mm -hmm. into that more in a minute, but I at least just want everybody to show that this is what they've done. And then what happens is, is the orca will just eat the liver of the gray white sharks and let the rest go to the bottom of the seafloor. So, Cool story, caught on camera. All of, anybody can watch this. It's called a, it's a documentary called The Whale That Ate Jaws. It's on Hulu. This came out many, many years ago. It's a very, very cool little thing. But here's where everything Whoa. goes haywire. Here's where everything goes haywire. From that moment for a handful of years, not another great white shark was seen in San Francisco. Great white sharks for a handful of months to a year, however long it was, and it says in the documentary, were virtually gone vanished from that moment on why in the world was was that like that why did that happen what they discovered was this great, is fascinating this dude it's we are on the tip <laughs> of the friggin iceberg what's I'm fascinating so what's fascinating is they discovered that when sharks are threatened they release a pheromone so they've released this pheromone warning all other sharks to stay away and a great white shark being viciously attacked by orcas was a, such a significant pheromone that great white sharks would not return to this popular great white shark zone for years, blowing everybody's mind. The great white shark, uh, you know, the tourist boats or whatever, they completely lost business, the whole deal. This is something that blew marine biologists' minds away. So what they figured out was is they actually started testing it. They grabbed some pheromone um, from a shark. And they started testing it by, they would bring all this chum and they'd bring all these sharks and it'd be like 30 sharks 
but eating all this chum in the middle of the ocean. And they threw the pheromone in the middle of the pack. And guess what? Okay. They all disappeared instantly. One time uh, they were doing it and they threw it next to a shark who was close to the water. The shark was so terrified that it swam up 20 feet onto the shore. This is what's happening. No. So they're saying that this is an amazing aspect of pheromones that could actually save people's lives, right? Because there's shark attacks every year. So if this is some sort of pheromone, if we can bottle this, we're going to save lives. The problem is sharks die all the time. So the only okay. way they release the pheromone is that they're viciously attacked. So obviously we can't bottle this. So hmm. here's what's been discovered. So that's the aspect of the great white shark. Here's what's been discovered. And this is going to really be funny to you. Like okay. I hinted to earlier, there are great, uh, there are orcas all over the globe who are trained in their specific ways of hunting, like I said. But there mm -hmm. is a small, small pod of like 10 to 15 to 20 orcas that actually scour the globe and do whatever the heck they want. They, they believed, and it says this in the documentary, they believed they were trained in the ways of all these different hunting or became who they were because they learned their tricks from Mexico and Los Angeles. So they're called the LA pod, the Los Angeles pod, and they're beat to hell. <laughs> their fins are all beat up. They look, they're, like, they're literally considered a gang that roamed the entire no. world, okay. viciously attacking whatever they want, like great white sharks, viciously attacking and putting them. So that, again, you have to realize they learned how to put a, 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 a great white shark upside down. They learned this. This is an amazing feat of what we have of these amazing animals known as yeah. the orca. Just so you know, so the orcas themselves are so brilliantly smart. They have a portion of their brain that humans have no idea what it's for, but it gives them an extra access to a, a realm of living that we can't even put words to. So the orca brain is so <laughs> beyond evolved or developed than human brains that they can think and feel and experience and know in ways that we are, that are ineffable to us. We cannot describe this extra portion of the brain. There's no words to it. Whoa. So we take, so my point is, is we take this amazing, amazing creature, massive creature, and we yeah. take it and we put it in a tank and we mm -hmm. put it here. This is what brings me to my conundrum. This is what brings me to my thing is I'm trying to rip apart and understand our role as image bearers of God when looking mm. at animal suffering, when we look at animal mm. cruelty, needless animal cruelty. So what I want to sort of have you speak into and rip apart is something that's obviously extremely popular, which is blackfish. Um, if you've seen the documentary it came out in 2014. Oh, yeah by you know, the amazing director, Gabrielle Calperwaite, and um, she did a fantastic job. And this sort of lit the world on fire and really brought to light so much truth revolving this subject. We can get into mm -hmm. that and all the different aspects. And if you haven't seen Blackfish or you think it's propaganda or pornography for you know, the aquarium world, I would say watch it again. But what I want us to realize and talk about today is I would love for us to sort of break apart the idea of dominion and how its interplay exists with things like SeaWorld and zoos. So I want to oh. talk about dominion. You and I, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ranting, I'm going to end here so you can start speaking into this. Thank you for letting me get yeah, yeah, through I'm this. Just, oh yeah. So you and I have been given dominion according to Genesis 1:26. Um, I have it here before mm -hmm. me just to remind everybody, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Not just over the land, but what does it say? Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, the heavens, and the livestock, and all the earth, and every other creeping thing yes. that creeps on the earth. Yes. When you, Brooke, as a pastor, uh, and as a good pastor, and somebody who has his theological wits about him, what do you think of when you think of the word dominion as it's laid out in Genesis 1? Well, I think uh, <clears throat> the first thing that comes to my mind um, is responsibility. I, yeah. I feel like that's a that's the first thing. Dominion. Um, there's a ruling aspect to dominion, right? Like you're ruling over yeah. something, and so my thoughts would be that you're ruling. <clears throat> excuse me, you're ruling over something, and ruling. We um, intrinsically know that there is responsibility into ruling. Uh, ruling takes a certain amount of um, understanding and exercising of self-control and wisdom and discernment and care 
thinking ahead, you know, so I, I might be going down the wrong trail that you're not no, wanting no. to go. But that's that's this what comes it. to my mind is like responsibility, care. Um, I have dominion. You know, it's a different word than we use over yeah. my kids. But like there's a dominion element to my parenting. There's a dominion element to my responsibilities as a pastor. There's a dominion element yes. to different facets. No, you, you've you nailed it right on. The actual even Hebrew word for this is, uh, I'm going to mess it up, but it's rabah which means to rule. And so what it's supposed yeah. to do is understand that we are kingly, we are royal in treating the creatures in the land a certain way. A certain way. So I've heard it said this way before, the dominion over all living creatures is not a license to abuse them, but a contract to care for them. So dominion Ooh. here is almost this contractual idea of a responsibility, which you pointed out, to care for uh, the creatures in the land. Now, okay, so before you keep yeah. before you keep going though, I have to confess something. This feels very hypocritical for me to talk about this because I don't like my dog. <laughs> no, it's fine, but you're not <laughs> abusing your dog. I don't think. Are you not a dog guy, or you just don't like your dog? Well, no, I, I actually our dog's wonderful. We got this dog for our kids, and and it's good. But you know this this dog's a dog, and like there'll be times when I'm away. Like if I'm at home, he will he won't do anything he's not supposed to do. Because the alpha male thing is just like established. Mm. It's so bizarre how all that works. But um, he knows that <laughs> I'm the biggest one. I have the deepest voice. Uh, I have, you know, like, it, it was just how it works. So it's funny how, you know, with the kid or with when I'm gone, he'll like dig holes in the backyard. And you're like, wow, what the heck, man? Yeah. We talked about this. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm not abusing my dog, but I, I, I do have this deep level of frustration. Well, so I can't tell you um, that I'm coming to this conversation completely. No, 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 no. no. You're biased. You're, here's the thing. You're right. You don't have to be an, uh, dude, you don't have to be an animal lover for us to understand yeah. our image barrenness. You're hundred percent right. There's a lot of people who just don't like animals. I'm not a big dog guy. I'm actually more of a yeah. cat person. So I okay. like, we have a cat. And I love my cat. So that makes a lot of sense actually. I didn't I, know that, but that makes a yeah. lot of, you're a cat guy. <laughs> I am a cat guy. I love that they don't, I love that you have to work for their love. I really do. Yeah. I love that they don't. It's like get, your parents. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I screw just, you, Craig Fritz. <laughs> screw you. I hope you're listening so to this. Sorry. That's another conversation. You can say that so jokingly because there's a lot of pain represented and a lot of therapy represented of understanding. Yeah. So you're not saying this tongue in cheek. Anyway, no, no. I interrupted you. No, so no, no. you're talking about dominion. That was a good thing. Ruling over. And then I interrupted you. So please keep going. I think I'm trying to, I'm, I'm probably going too far and trying to build a, build a big case on the front end to ultimately get to the point I'm trying to make or ask this question is, let me just get to the point and we can dissect it. But essentially what yeah. I want everybody to sort of get to is if animal suffering is empirical data as laid out by SeaWorld, we can get into zoos in a little bit. I do want to talk about zoos, but SeaWorld is the hot topic. SeaWorld is what everybody wants to talk about. If we as image bearers know this, I am curious of your opinion. If I'm be and I think you mentioned this before that I'm being legalistic, but I am curious of your opinion if we are contributing by purchasing SeaWorld tickets it's visible suffering of animals if we were actually breaking our creation mandate or our Imago Dei. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, that's what I really want to rip that's apart. That's great. That, well, yeah. I, and I, you know, you mentioned this a couple episodes back because you were wearing the Free Tilly shirt, yes. which is Tillicum, which was uh, the Blackfish documentary you're, rep, you're referring to. And, you know, on your wonderful, and I want to compliment, on your wonderful uh, synopsis and just clear uh understand you know you just gave me such a lesson anyone listening a lesson in orc in orca culture um so thank you <laughs> i read and a lot of books one of the, on orcas a lot but it's fat but one of the things that you said i i've heard the brain stuff before about yeah. the brain being more um developed or having a whole extra area yeah. that we don't fully understand so i've heard that the other thing i've heard is that there are no one pod is the same yeah so the fact that you know you have um like there are these different pods, but they don't even all use the same language. They all use different languages. Yes. They're international foreign beings to one another. So if you take somebody from Alaska and a killer whale, like you're saying from near Australia or whatever, and you put them in a tank together, not only will they be hostile, they will not be able to relate. Yes. Which is such an interesting, you know, I think one of the things you're highlighting with that, as I get to your, you know, to respond to your, your ultimate uh, thing that you're, you topic you're laying here, is 
that that just speaks a lot of the level of intelligence and understanding that we on a surface level up to this point uh, don't fully always acknowledge or understand. Now, I think the majority, I think there's total pockets of people that are like, might listen to this and go, you guys are so behind. This has been known for so long. Of course, yeah. And, and I would say totally, but the majority of people do not know that and don't usually even let that come into their frame of thinking because oftentimes, if we're just being completely honest, not judgmental, but honest, most people aren't thinking about the care of the ocean animal life. What they're often yeah. thinking is, I like seeing whales and I like taking my family to a fun experience. It's, it's more in, you know, selfish in a sense, uh, to no, use that word. You're, you're 100% correct. And I will admit, this is, this is old hat. Everybody knows there's a sea world argument. There's a million podcasts on what we're talking about. The only thing I'm asking that I think might set us apart is in, the, the, the creation mandates us as ruly kings over, over where does sin, if sin enters at all, the support of visible animal suffering. So if I could, yeah. I read this incredible book by Matthew Scully called Dominion, where he breaks down every aspect of animal suffering from, from large farms to the safari club to SeaWorld or whatever. He talks about it all. And I really love this quote from the book, if I can read it, which is animals mm -hmm. are more than ever a test of our character. Animals are, are, are a test of our character or mankind's capacity for empathy and for decent, honorable conduct and faithful stewardship. So even he, and he's a Catholic, even he gets it's an aspect of our stewardship. We are called to treat them with kindness, not because they have the rights or the power. So I'm not claiming equality here. I want everybody to realize I wanted this <laughs> quote. I'm not claiming equality here. Um, of, of us being equal with the animals. I'm not saying, I understand how the Imago Dei works and I understand we have a soul and they don't, blah, blah, blah. But in a sense, because they don't. So I'm again, so I'm not claiming they have rights or powers or some equality, but in a sense, because animals don't, Matthew Scully said, because they all stand unequal and powerless before us. So if it's really a test of our stewardship and our character, then this mm -hmm. actually, this actually transcends the animal kingdom. And this is about humans. Obviously, everything we're talking about isn't about orcas and tanks. What we're talking about is the monsters who can put orcas in tanks. Or we're talking about mm -hmm. the people who can yeah. blindly know that the animals in their suffering, or how about this? I'll just be really pointed. The Christians who know this and still attend, are they in sin? Yeah, that's a great. So there, there, there's the question. I think that's, yes. you've boiled it down in a beautiful way. And I think that that's absolutely the question. Is it? morally wrong sinful to actually jump into you know not, not jump into the don't jump mm -hmm. into the actual tank um we we learned that ends badly but you know <laughs> taking your family to see well is that bad um i think that that's the question i want to i want to before i answer directly i don't want to answer directly because i think it's um there's a couple layers there so there so is. I want to, can I, can I, can I wrestle with this real quick with you? Yeah. I really want to wrestle with this because as you're even saying, just to your point, cause I want you to add to this. Yeah. You being a pastor for so many years, is it really even to the extent of what you call church discipline on somebody who had like sea world passes, right? Like how, <laughs> right. Like if it's sin, it's sin. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. let's, I just want to put that on your radar, like pastorally, are you dealing, mm. we're dealing with well, real people. Like we are a church in San Diego or Orlando and we are fighting this fight and they're about to go to there. Would we like sit them down and go, time to wake up, buttercup? <laughs> I, I think people respond well to that phrase. Wake up, buttercup. Yeah, yeah they, they do. They'll just be like, oh yeah, this is so nice. I can't wait to have this conversation. <laughs> um, well, I think, so <laughs> on that point, I think the idea, it sounds great to control people. Um, I wish that worked. I'm joking. No, but I, I want to say this on a serious note. Control as far as like, um, you know, do you have church discipline for this? Like control is always a very bad way to lead. We know that from so many people in history that yeah. have uh, even current examples of and current examples in the church of how when you get over controlling, it is an oppressive uh you know, thing that just destroys people. I think right. invitation and example and um, encouragement, those are the ways that we see with Jesus. Jesus never forced anybody to follow him. He, he showed them a better way and he invited them into it. 
And then he said, if you don't want to, guess who that's going to affect yeah. you? Guess who that's going to destroy you? And it wasn't because he was being naive, like or rude or like aggressive. It was because that was how it actually worked and how it works. So I think, um, is it sin? That's a really hard question to answer for me. And I am no, uh, you know, professional in the sense of, um, or even I haven't delved into this enough, I think to, to give okay. like a really thorough answer, but to that point, you know I don't want you to move on to that point. Um, cause this is, this, you're right. It's really, it's so fuzzy and it's so gray, right? Yep. So I'm in yep. full agreement. So I don't want you to move on because how about this then? How about this? Uh, is visible suffering of animals in these aquariums or zoos wrong? Would you just say that that's wrong? Mm. Would you say that I their think, animal suffering is wrong? I, oh, yeah. I okay. think biblically, like you're pointing out, I think animal suffering is wrong. Just but the purchase of but, tickets. But it's hard work. because it's like, say that again? The purchasing of tickets, is that what you're saying? So obviously we're not the ones bringing suffering. We're just sort of, if you purchase a ticket, it's just sort of in, encouraging. I'm trying to think. So I'm trying to think of another example in culture where this plays out, where you're basically a secondary, you're supporting the problem by not uh, by by engaging with it, right? You're you support it. All right, I can right, by I can engagement. offer an example. So yeah, uh, I have one too, but you oh, go first. Well, my so immediate thought was, let's just say there's a known. This is a hypothetical, but let's just say there's a known band who is obviously doing stuff in the back room, debauchery, and we buy a ticket to yeah. go listen to them because we love their music. Does that work? We yeah. know they're doing bad things. We know they're abusing themselves. But us buying a ticket to their concert, are we encouraging them to keep going? Does that does that yeah, work? Yeah, that that that's one that's one good example. The other one would be like, are you um, encouraging the sex slave industry through viewing pornography? Are you perpetuating the, the only problem? Di- the only difference in that is you are entering. I think that's one where you're entering sin through sin. So the going to the concert is sin by association. The pornography example is sin at the start, sin in the self, sin in the moment. So what I'm wondering is when do you have sin by association? And that's where for me in this sort of working out, I kind of land on the verse in James that says, if you know what's good and you don't do it, you're in sin. Yeah, I think that. So so I want to I want to respond to a couple of things that you've said, and I want to actually do a good job of because you've done such a good job of setting this up i want to honor i want to honor this with a due response <laughs> is well, that okay I, I love that you're 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 going in cert- like you're you haven't landed on anything yet and i really respect that i'm waiting for you to oh. land on something definitively and so i'm kind yeah. of excited i like that you're you're very pastoral you're you're slowly circling it like a vulture <laughs> well what i'm doing is trying to hold all the tension points, right? Like right. most of life is tension. So it's not, I mean, it's just not one or the other because if you do that, you end up, you step on, you, you say no to this, that you're saying yes to this. So I, yep. I think it's just nuancing that out. So um, the first thing I, that comes to my mind about all of this is you're right. James is very clear about that. And I like that about James is that it's like, hey, here's the stuff that you know. So I'm trying to use my life, my real life as an example. I know about all the stuff with SeaWorld. The reason I've never gone to SeaWorld is not because of conviction, if I'm being completely honest, because I haven't necessarily had that in my front view. I haven't like, to be completely transparent, I don't often think about animal cruelty or when things are brought up and made aware and I'm made aware of it, um, then I'm like, oh yeah, of course, right? Like it's almost like ignorance is bliss. Like I didn't fully understand the the ins and the outs of how SeaWorld was actually impacting uh, culture. I think I just in general would think like, oh, it's kind of a fun event and animals. Like I just didn't think much of it. It wasn't as much of uh, like I'm trying to be ignorant. It's just like I didn't think about that. You know, there's only so many things you can think about. Even going to a zoo, right? Like my kids love the zoo. So so anyway, the the thing that I want to say is Going to SeaWorld has not happened for me, but not because of a moral conviction. It's because it's just, it's never seemed interesting. So that was why I've never gone. But then I think about it now, you're, you're raising a point that I personally 
still wrestle with and haven't fully wrestled with. So if you see me uh, circling, well, it's because I'm like still it. in the process of wrestling it. Yeah, no, I like it. I want people to wrestle with this. I want people to wrestle with horror movies. What I don't want for Christendom is I, I don't want ignorance and I don't want people yeah. to, to rest on not, I don't know, rest on a lack of epistemology when it comes to every aspect of our faith. And so what I get so fired up about is I remember, I remember talking to Eugene Peterson one time and, and he was going off about how much he hates the word spiritual life. Hates wow. it. Why? Because there's no such thing as a spiritual life. All of your life is spiritual. It's spiritual, yeah. And so yeah. I, I want us to view every leaking, oozing detail of us making a drive to the bank or us going to freaking SeaWorld or us going to a zoo. I think the more, I mean, Jesus said, if you have eyes to see, and you have ears mm -hmm. to hear. I think that's where things come alive. The, the whole world starts to look like in a different color. The dimensions are different. And so if we can do that with yeah. this and force people to wrestle with it, even if they end up going to SeaWorld, okay, it is what it is. At least you wrestled with it. That's what I care mm -hmm. about. People do yeah, the work. So do the work. So I love that. And I, I love that you are actually, um, and this is the thing that you, that you bring very beautifully is that tension point of like, well, where is this line? And I know just as uh, my natural disposition isn't always to like push that line, but not because I'm not interested in it, because that's just not where I naturally sit. So it's not that I'm unaware um, as much as I, it's just not the first thing that comes to my mind. Totally. But I will, but I want to say this, given the, the verse that you talked about in James <clears throat> and given the understanding, yeah, I think there's some real moral tension with purchasing SeaWorld tickets. But if I'm being completely honest, in a few weeks, I'm going to be in a city and I'm going to be with my kids and they've already asked me to go to the zoo. Now, so far up to this point, I haven't thought anything's wrong morally with us going to the zoo. Doesn't mean that, I mean, there could be something morally wrong, but I haven't actually taken it to that space yet. Yeah. Um, so, and I want you to address that in a second. But the thing that I, you know, I'm kind of thinking through as you're, as you're sharing this that I think is also important is that there's, there's, these, there's many things like this in our life that need a lot of wisdom. And I think our job, even as you're talking, is to come to each one um, and to have wisdom. So then this makes me think of the reality of eating, eating food. Right. Okay. If you if you've ever um, like the way in which they slaughter pigs and the way in which they slaughter chickens and the process of, uh, you know, eating all these different foods uh, for our consumption or, or the killing of these animals for our consumption, that that brings up that whole other end to me of like, w that's crazy, because if you've ever seen anything on how they actually uh, kill pigs to be able to then uh, eat them. It it is and process their body for meat and packing all. It's it's insane. Oh. It's like the definition of cruelty. So, I guess I'd wonder as well where does this line of thinking and where does this like go and where does it stop? Like, is it okay because it's food? Like, you know, there's there's all this blessing within the New Testament. Like, we're we're not under yeah. the old covenant oh, yeah. anymore. So so yeah. So what? How yeah. do you address that? Yeah, I hope. I hope. A couple of things I hope people are hearing from me. A, I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm just trying to wrestle with things. Oh no. Okay. And then B, you're I'm not. Also, you're not being. You're not being legalistic. Okay. And then B is I hope I'm not. Um, I hope people don't realize that I'm trying. I'm an associative like PETA. So what I mean by that is, um, <laughs> I, it's legitimate in my opinion and biblical opinion to use animals for work or even for food, but it's contrary to human dignity to cause animals to suffer or die needlessly. So, oh, okay. I rest. It's, it's, and that's why I think there's a little bit more liberty with zoos. Um, even though I've got quite a few things about zoo facts that we can get into, like zoocosis and a few other things. But I would say that there's a difference between zoos and circuses or SeaWorld is the forced slavery entertainment aspect of what we do to animals so that they would be fed or get a treat. That is my biggest hangup between the two of them. And so I think a case could be made for zoos. I love zoos. I really, really do. I grew up going to San Diego Zoo my whole life. San Francisco and San Diego are some of the best zoos in the freaking world. Um, I love yeah. them. I love them. Um, I'd, I'd want to go to the Chester Zoo in London. There's so many things that I'd like to be able to do. But 
I just want to, before I do that, I would probably do my own personal work to make, see how they're treating animals. So we had a small zoo in a small town in Arizona. The freaking uh, tiger was in a cage the size of a bathroom. So just so you know, legally, as far as zoos goes, um, the cage space, yeah. the cage space laws for zoos, and I believe this is countrywide for us, it's just room enough for them to stand and turn around. That's it. So that's legally what the cage size for zoos can be for that particular animal. And so there are zoos probably all over our country, which are horrifically sad um, yeah. and confining and go against our Imago day of what we would mm. stand for, you know? And so there's so much to this of like, what is a Christian's role in living out Genesis one twenty six? What is the Christian's role in having dominion? Like, how do we protect? How do we fight? Are we supposed to? Is is doing a podcast enough about it, or are we supposed to be getting? Are we like or picketing like we do outside of abortion clinics? Like, what 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 is the yeah? Where's the line? There's a line, and I don't I don't think I'm trying to come to a conclusion today. I'm just trying to rip it open, and people need to land on where they want to land. But there is something to this, as we see in Scripture and the treatment of animals. That if we were to ignore it, I think we're missing an aspect of our creation mandate given in Genesis. Yeah, I, I would like to affirm that you are right, that biblically from what you're saying, I think we have a responsibility for sure. I think it's trying to nuance where it plays out. Like, yep. is the responsibility at not buying tickets? Is the responsibility at not going to the zoo? Is the responsibility to become an advocate? Like, right. we're, I think that's the, the deeper question. And I'm, I, as people are wrestling with this, there's the other extreme where people will put animals into the category of almost human. Like when, when a dog, when you're walking down the street and someone doesn't have their dog on a leash and that, and they're comfortable with their dog being in everybody's business Mm -hmm. and the dog comes up and like puts his face Mm -hmm. or puts his nose in your crotch, which is totally the, the normal thing for dogs to do. And then you, you push the dog away and you're like, no, like, because I don't let any animal or person do that. Right. And I think it's pretty normal to, to be like disturbed by that or at least like uncomfortable by that. But I find that as that happens from time to time, if you have a response other than, oh, a cute, what a cute dog, people get weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had people, I've had a dude, I was sitting outside with, a, with lunch with a friend and we were, it was a nice uh, afternoon. And we're sitting and this guy's walking by, his dog's not on a leash, whatever, that doesn't really bother me, but walking by and, and he realizes we have food on the plate, on the table. And so he comes over and starts trying to get the food and I'm like pushing him away. Like, no, 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 you can't eat this food. You know, like, no, you can't. And, and the guy was so mad that I, you know, basically pushed his dog away from eating my food. I was like, dude, your dog's trying to eat my food. Like, it's, it's like, this is. There's a line here. So, so to me, <clears throat> a lot of this has to do with where is the line of, of responsibility. I agree. You're not being legalistic. You're raising a point of saying, what's our responsibility? So is the line, hey, please don't sniff me inappropriately and also don't eat my food. Um, <gasps> that's my, wait, that's my line for everybody. Still. That's my rule for everybody. <laughs> do not sniff me inappropriately. It's, this, this, is, this transcends animals. Do not... <laughs> Put your nose anywhere below the waist. <laughs> I'm, just buddy. Try, I'm just trying to think of like how in a public setting someone's like, like someone gets behind you, just just takes a big sniff, like, oh man, you just smell so good dude, or whatever. I, well, dude, where, crazy dog lovers who let their dogs do whatever they want, by the way, drives me absolute bonkers. When people cannot control their dog, I, I want to put the dog down. That's when dog abuse all of a sudden I can biblically justify because <laughs> maybe I actually just want to abuse the owner but yeah dude i'm with you i hate when people just let their dogs do whatever but that's yeah but you have that person is comfortable with Mm -hmm. a certain level of invasiveness from their dog and they like it that way and then they assume wrongly that everyone shares their disposition towards their animal and i think it's that other end of like dude not everybody shares that so and and this is not popular what we're saying but at the same time anybody that goes i can't connect with this person because they don't have the same view and high view of my dog or dogs as they do is a silly thing to divide over. Mm. So if you divide over that, uh, there's probably a lot of other emotional relational issues in your life, I'd imagine. So anyway, um, that's a quick note, but I think the, the line that you're talking about with SeaWorld 
I'm trying to bring it home to myself and what I would do. After this conversation, I think I'm still probably going to go to the zoo. But I also would love to know more about that because maybe I actually am, maybe I am not actually thinking that through clearly. Am I hurting the, am I perpetuating the problem? Um, You know, I think of other things like other disciplines in our life, like simplicity. Uh, When you start to live in simplicity, you start to not buy stuff, certain things, because you recognize that your buying of these things end up perpetuating a problem overseas. Yeah. Um, you, you know, that's one example too of like, well, we're going to buy ethically made clothing. We're going to buy ethically made furniture, everything we buy. Um, I have some family members who exclusively only will buy ethical everything. And the thing that I've realized, which is so sad, but true is it is so expensive to buy things ethically. It's almost, I, I cannot even tell you how expensive it is to try to buy things that are ethically made. So you're in this really weird trap 100%. of the system, right? And this is kind of the, the other, I'm saying you're, all this, no, this to just great. say, this is the other end of all of this, that where do you draw the line? Like, am I sinning if I find a sweatshirt at H&M because I am now perpetuating the problem that they're having in Bangladesh and I am now actually one of the reasons that this is even existing? You know, yeah. what, what do you say on that? I think you're right. The, the undercurrent is, Casey, where does it stop? If you take this stand with SeaWorld, where, where does it stop to the concert analogy, to the ethical clothing analogy, to the Tom Shoes analogy? Like you could just go yeah. and go and go. So trying to find or rein this in. Yeah, because I wouldn't pull somebody in church discipline if they're going to SeaWorld. Um, right? I wouldn't. You would I, not. I wouldn't. I just, yeah. um, you know, if, if there was an opportunity to have a fuller discussion, but because it's so gray, I'm kind of with you. What I'm trying to do is just make it less gray. I'm trying to make it more black or white if that's possible. And so maybe I'm trying to do a round peg into a square hole kind of a thing. So maybe that's just not that way. But I will say this, what's interesting, about, at least about the SeaWorld aspect, that I will say is just the entertainment value to me changes things for some reason um, versus buying mm-hmm. a sweater for my grandpa from an unethical clothing company. I think, I guess the difference is for some reason, we're getting entertainment out of watching the animals suffer. And that, mm. that strikes me a little different um, versus, yeah, yeah. versus the ignorance of the sweater or who actually did it or not knowing. I'm actually paying to watch the, the very animal be treated with such cruelty to suffer this way. As, and then I enjoy it, you know? Okay, so what about, what about the, I'm trying to think of the people that are really passionate about um, ethical, you know, like the clothing example. You have the ethical clothing example. You have Sea World. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think through how this actually, as people are, you know, listening. How yeah. does this actually, for you and me, hit the real life? Like, is this just come down to personal conviction, and does it come down to, well, as you progress in your own faith journey, you're going to become aware of more of these things. And as you come aware of them, you're supposed to respond. And as you do, just like the James passage, you should respond. If you know better, then respond the right way. But yes. does that mean that everybody's on the, same, on the hook for the same thing? Like, so all well, these people that are ignorantly going to SeaWorld, right? I, are they living in sin and then everyone else is not going is not living in sin? You know, do, does that make sense? I it know does. It's a little no, it does. They're, bonky. Obviously... What could be sin for me is not sin for you. And this is where Christian liberty steps in. I can have a cigar and maybe Brooke can't. I can have a sip of wine and maybe Brooke can't. Mm. Um, that's, I'm with you. And I think James is an extremely personal text. Obviously, it's, it's yeah. just, it covers all bases in one sweeping motion. The tension I have is between James and our call of Genesis 1 to care for them. And obviously, it's weird because like Casey, how come you're not out there fighting shark, you know, shark fin stuff? Like there are other, so many other things to do. We should be fighting for shark fins. Or yeah. the Cove uh, documentary is fantastic about how the dolphins are being treated in. Oh, geez, I don't remember what country. So it kind of goes on and on and on. So yeah, I, I mean, this is not this is not so much a podcast about SeaWorld. It's probably more a podcast about the limitations or boundaries of personal versus global sin. You know what I mean? I guess yes. in some respects. And but that. There is a little bit of nuance with the SeaWorld one because we do have a command yes. to care for them. We, anyway. 
example, personal and global sin, that's an interesting one because I would say in American culture where we think so individually, mm-hmm. we are more concerned about individual sin, but there's so many other countries and specifically places in the world, even biblically, where we actually do have a, um, a connected responsibility um, of sin. Let me just give, give a couple for instances. Like most of the time in the Christian church, it is Jesus and myself and my sin. When you're taking communion on Sunday, oftentimes you're asking for forgiveness for the things that you have done that have come to your mind in this last week. But there is also a generalized sin that we all participate in uh, in the world. And we also have a responsibility, in my personal humble opinion, to actually also repent of. I'm thinking of different times when um, I've been in different prayer meetings uh, over cities. And one of the things that uh, has been led, uh, I've been led in and, and made aware of is our responsibility to repent for the, the sins of the city, to actually take part and say, we know that we did not directly commit these sins, but we recognize that we are not, we are a part of a bigger story and we are part of a whole that has turned its back on God. Now, I don't think God's holding you personally responsible for that, but right. I actually think in our American culture, we forget that we are actually a part of a communal global system in which we do need to repent uh, for the sins of our city, for the sins of the world that we're in. And it's not, um, I think it's a beautiful thing when we can actually get to that space. I don't, what are your thoughts on that? No, I, I like that. And, and, and I agree that I love the ownership aspect. And I think that's very like Old Testament prophet, you know what I mean? Of sort of yeah. owning and repenting for um, the, the, the community at large, the state at large, whatever it is. I, I think that's important, true, and probably don't do that enough. Uh, I couldn't tell you the last time that I sought repentance for my state or, you know, I probably have done it for my country um, in the last few years, but I haven't done it for my state or my group or my community. So I'm, I'm, I think we're kind of on the same page and I don't think, I really don't think there's a black and white ethical answer. We probably should have asked Ryan Huber, maybe when he comes on again, we'll ask him <laughs> ethically yeah. um, where, where this type of stuff lands. But I do think it's going to come down to this conviction and how Genesis one plays out in your life and how you can wrestle with James in light of Genesis one. How do you wrestle with the verse in James in light of Genesis one? And how you can play that out, if you can do that theologically, philosophically, emotionally, and mentally sound, then okay, go enjoy your Shamu Believe show. That's not for me, but go for it. In the same way that I would have to say to somebody, I'm not going to do that liberty, go for it. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. So, so, oh, I'm, so I'm sorry in advance. Not sorry. Um, Game of Thrones. Let's just talk about that for a second. Yeah. Christian liberty or socially acceptable soft porn that people watch with a yep. great story. Yeah. So, so I'm not trying, like, no, let's no, just no. talk about talk that. About, Cause yeah, I could talk about that. <laughs> I'm all sure day. you can. No, I'm sure you can. But the, the reason I'm m- mentioning this is because there are things in my opinion that are very like the stand, there are standard things that we need to say, yes, don't stab somebody. <laughs> don't lie. Uh, don't steal. You know, there's these foundational sins in which we know that we are called to morally step in. But then there are all these, you know, you said Christian liberty, but but even that, like, are socially acceptable things, in my humble opinion, even in Christian circles like Game of Thrones, is that because it's now socially acceptable in Christian circles now not sin? Is it now okay for that? And that and that's kind of where I want to lead. Like, where does that go? Where does that line well, happen? I will say, I will say this, uh, I will, and this is a dialogue, right? So I, yeah, of course, think of it's, course. I think it's wrong to call Game of Thrones pornography. Um, in the same way that if there's a sex scene in some other random movie, if we think of a sex scene in some very popular movie, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't all of a sudden get a piece of tape and label the movie porn. Um, <laughs> I, I, Fair. I agree. I get what you're saying. So yeah, I think Game of Thrones. Um, I've watched all of Game of Thrones and this is not me giving permission. I don't want to be a permission giver, but 
Uh, we watched all Game of Thrones. And I will just say this. And you and I have actually, I'm not going to bring up what you told me so many years ago. But you and I have talked about <laughs> so inside. Do you want me to, I'll tell it. I'll say it. No, I'll, your I'll wife will kill you, dude. <laughs> I will say it. Keep, keep, keep going. <laughs> edit edit that out. No, don't do it. Keep it. Um, I will just say this. I Obviously, all these things we're talking about are not loopholes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, so I want to just make sure that if somebody watches Game of Thrones, we're obviously not saying they're going to hell. I just want to make sure for we all know that, of course. And and I agree with you on that. Yeah. They're not going to hell for watching Game but of Thrones. I, I like your you. point, though, is because it becomes more acceptable, that does that all of a sudden mutate what becomes sin, culturally acceptable sin? That's what I, I'm asking. Yeah, I I don't think so. I mean, obviously that that probably does happen. I don't know if that happens with Game of Thrones. Again, I think I'm going to chalk up Game of Thrones to Christian liberty. And I'm also going to chalk it up to people's wisdom that if a sex scene comes on, do what you got to do and fast forward through it. Like, don't be an idiot or whatever and sit there and go, oh, yeah. You know, and don't don't all of a sudden be like, hey, you see that? And you're nudging your wife or whatever. Like, use wisdom with all of this stuff. If somebody can't use wisdom with Game of Thrones or what they can do with SeaWorld, I, there's so much more work to be done before all of a sudden we jump into, should you be watching Game of Thrones? That is such a Z conversation. We need to be talking about ABC. So I want to first tackle that type of stuff with the individual. No, you have your own limitations as I do. There's certain stuff I wouldn't jump into, but use wisdom, understand your liberty. Totally. Understand what's sin and what's well, not sin. And I also just say this about Game of Thrones. The sex stuff really is just the first couple of seasons and then it like disappears for the majority of the movie. So I'm just, pu- or the majority of the oh, show. That's great. Just anyway. <laughs> no, no. See, I think, I, I think the, the Game of Thrones is just an easy target. What I meant, what I'm trying to say is when something becomes socially acceptable, even in Christian circles, is it now okay? Right now it is socially acceptable to just sleep around in Christian circles and ask yeah. for forgiveness, abuse grace, because you know what? It feels just so good. And I would agree with you on the fact that it's a great experience, but it's also so destructive when it's not within what God's designed. But right now it's socially acceptable. I was talking to a friend the other day and he's like, oh man, I slept with this girl again. And I was like, why are you telling me so casually like this doesn't matter? And I actually said that to him. I was like, what are you, like this, you just united your soul with this human. Do you recognize that this is not just a little sexual hookup that even though you might feel it is casual, it is actually very deep in a realm in a way that you cannot fully understand. And, and that kind of, I guess, flippantness around sacred, beautiful things is something that I know as a, as a leader, as a pastor, I'm so trying to help people understand and grasp because it is so important. So I, I would say that I don't think, I'm trying to think of in light of like with my, I'm trying to think as a pastor, as a dad, as a human, I'm saying like, I trust, I trust you to know your limits, just like you trust me to know mine. Like I know that I can't watch half the stuff you watch because it messes with my soul in a way that if I watch it, I go, I just can't like be at peace in the world and within myself. So I choose to not engage with certain content because I just can't. It's like a, it is disruptive to my soul. And I think the question that a lot of people might ask is, well, does that mean I'm more godly than Casey? And I would say, no, that I don't think oh, that may, no. means I'm more. No, <laughs> case- heck oh. no. Oh my gosh. That was close. I'm glad you recognize that. Oh my gosh. So much godliness in your beard alone. Yeah. So I think, I think it's that recognition. I, I, but I also think like you're saying, what is sin for somebody is not necessarily sin for somebody else. These are these are the questions of the, that the Bible raises that I just have to go like I don't know because I, I if someone asked me today, hey, do you think it's like what do you think about Game of Thrones? I would say don't watch it. I'd say do you, if you need the story, if you need all of that, read the book. My honest response would be what? Just read. Yeah, if you need the story, just read the books. Well, that, that's part of it for me. I think like I'm just trying to think of like what, if my son said, hey, dad, I want to watch Game of Thrones. I would say, one, I don't think you have the maturity for that, right? Yep. Also, two, I really don't. I think when you have these things in your life where you have to do them or have to watch them, it's like the it's like uh, when things become so important. Um I'm saying it the wrong way, but the idea that when we elevate certain things in our lives to be bigger than they need to be. So I think putting it in its place, 
and it's okay for us to disagree on this, right? Like I'm totally okay with saying, well, I would never tell anybody that it's fine to watch Game of Thrones. And I don't think you are either. I think you're saying use wisdom and don't just, is, is that right? Am yes, I saying, am I you, representing yeah, you clearly? You're, you're probably more of a um, guillotine than I would be. Like if somebody came to me and I didn't know them, it would have to be a huge conversation. Like I'm always about stories over sound bites. So somebody just yeah. randomly comes up to me and he's like, hey, can I watch Game of Thrones? It's like, tell me a bit about your temperaments. Tell me a bit about, you know, how you handle this stuff. If somebody I knew for a while and, you know, I've known for years, like, dude, should I get into it? And I actually know them, then I could speak more guillotine like, but I wouldn't be, you know, oh no, no, don't watch it. I would seriously be way more <laughs> like, dude, obviously, you know, Game of Thrones is especially known for X, Y, and Z. So just use wisdom and fast forward through it and whatever you got to do and move on. Like, I don't want a villain. I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And if, if I have, if I yeah. be true to what I brought up a couple episodes ago with horror and storytelling and visceral storytelling, there could be stuff to be gleamed from this. Now, I'm just, yeah, that's where I land is I don't want to throw the baby out the bathwater. It depends on who I'm talking yeah. to. Use wisdom. If you struggle with pornography, sexual addiction, or if stuff sets you off on TV, if you can't even get through a Victoria's Secret commercial or whatever, dude, don't watch Game of Thrones. You're an idiot. Yeah. Um, but I so. think I, I agree. I, I, Obviously, I'm guillotining the uh, the principle. I'm using that as a principle, but I I agree. Asking people's story is important, but I think it's the all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we can do. Yeah, but they do not help us. And I can choose to eat whatever I want, never yeah. exercise, completely numb out on on whatever I want, but I am so worse off for it. So I think there's these sure. lines, right? Like you're, we're holding that tension of like, okay, this is lawful, but is it helpful? And that to me is where I would put Game of Thrones. I would put it in the sense of like, hey, is it helpful for me? But I don't know. But for me, I'm no, talking about for me. I'm not, okay. I'm not you know, addressing. I'm saying like, is it helpful for me? It's not helpful for me. And I, and I would say, and I could say that to somebody. And I would also say, I just don't know. I'm tr I would have to be like convinced of how Game of Thrones could be really helpful to a human. Um, but that's true of it, all. To your point, that's true of all of cultural aspects. Is Back to the Future helpful? <laughs> is Rocky helpful? Is, is your kids watching cartoons? Like, I mean, again, we keep talking about limits and boundaries to stuff. I love your point. So what I'm trying to make of your yeah. point is you're talking about what's helpful for you. You have enough, enough wherewithal and awareness to know what's helpful for you. But totally. I do want to extend that because I'm assuming you like going to movies. I'm assuming you probably oh, of course have watched of course. your son watch yeah, Star Wars. You're not going to be like, well, you know, hang on there. Is it helpful, son? <laughs> By the way, I never let my kid watch Game of Thrones either. Of course not. <laughs> No, I and and you're right, and I, I, you're right in the sense of what you're what you're explaining that yes, it it can be applied to everything, but that's where I think wisdom and maturity. I think yeah. maturity is a big one, and yes. knowing your limits. I guess the one thing that I would want to say is when you feel so comfortable with Game of Thrones because you've been able to work through this stuff, you understand it. You're watching this with your wife. You're skipping scenes like you guys have that set up right, so you guys have that. Now that's that hasn't come slowly or or quickly. That's come like over time. Sure. It's come with a ton of experience and wisdom. But oftentimes people will take that and they'll say, "Well, then then that's fine for me." When really, and in fact, it is not fine for them. And I'm not saying you're advocating. You yes. already made that really clear. You're right. But that's where I think you're this right. gets always so tricky. Is where well, somebody else in the Christian community, in which I know and I know loves Jesus, is in this. I think it's probably also fine for me to be in right. this. And that goes back to the very start of what you said. Is this, if you know it, if you know better um, and you still do it, is it sin to you? And that's the thing that I think, whether it's SeaWorld, whether it's Game of Thrones, the zoo, any of these examples that we've been talking about, it's like, where is that line? I don't have a good conclusion. <laughs> I'm just highlighting what you're pointing out. And I think the tension is thick and I think it's good. And I think we need wisdom and discernment and nuanced perspectives to continue to live well. And I think as we approach our hour mark, I think we, I, yes. think, I think we have to land there. I think our plane has to land on your conclusion. Um, I, to buy a SeaWorld ticket would be in sin. 
you are discovering what it would mean for you with your own personal yeah. thing. And I respect, I'm going to sound so Angelina, I respect that journey for you. You know, I respect <laughs> that journey for you. Um, so I'm just saying, I, I think, I think the great, I'll end with, I'll end my point with this. I think the greater issue is somebody who blindly steps into controversial, spiritual, taboo, wavy things without having done the work first. Does that, yeah. That's the greater issue. Somebody who can watch Game of Thrones or buy a SeaWorld ticket and they haven't done the personal spiritual work first, that's what we're talking about. So I guess yeah. that's where I would first land is our encouragement ultimately would be that. Make sure you do that first before your Game of Thrones or you till come Shamu it. <laughs> I think we're in agreement. I, I think we're in agreement and I love that we can have these conversations and I love the difference of uh, opinion and perspective. I think it's helpful for me and I, and I hope it's helpful for those listening. So uh, great topic today, Casey. We're going to do some outro notes in a minute, but I just want to say thank you for your topic. Yo. Thank you for bringing the, also the lesson, just a sheer lesson. And what was that, uh, what was that yeah. one on Hulu again? That yeah, documentary, thank, what's it called? Thank you. Yeah. So if you are looking for additional resources, there's a documentary and this is so incredible. There's a documentary that came out years. I'm talking over a decade ago called The Whale That Ate Jaws. They actually recently in the last year revisited that again, went to San Francisco on a new documentary. I think it just might be called The Whale versus Shark or something. If you go to Hulu and type in Orca and Great White or something, it'll come up. That's recent and it's unbelievable. Them following up on the science. And then the other book I mentioned was Dominion by Matt Scully. He's a Catholic author yeah. and he works with uh, the White House a lot for animal cruelty and care. So those are some of the sources. Um, I can, anybody wants to reach out, we can talk about some of the sources we didn't get into as far as zoo stuff goes, but it's all out there. Just Google, you know, just Bing it, dude. Get on Yahoo and just, you know, cruise. <laughs> Open your Chrome. Thanks for your wisdom, Casey. Stay tuned for our show notes at, that we are going to walk through and talk through in just a minute. to know we have to do these outros because you have the size of a bladder of a ladybug and you have to urinate immediately when we're done recording so we would just normally just carry on and end this but you always give me these little winks through the camera and run out and you just dribble yeah it's not true the fact is <laughs> that there's a certain level of water in which i drink in a day me too and i i i find that i end up drinking more in the morning is what happens and around this time of the podcast is is more morning time for me, more afternoon for you. But yeah, it's just just a part of life, man. Well, I can't help it. I drink you really know your cleansing. daily. I drink that daily water thing you're supposed to do every day. You know your bladder like gets stronger, develops like a flex to it, and so now I can drink all this and still just pee only a couple times. But you are up and down like a pregnant I, lady. I think my mine might be doing the opposite. Oh, it's possible. Okay, yeah, it's just doing the opposite. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, I want to say thank you for this topic and i like if this is the raw moment i'm just gonna say you're wrong about your urine that's it or about SeaWorld. i just wanted to say you're, i just want to say that and oh <laughs> i just love saying that no i'm kidding i i liked uh i really liked i mean this is this is the hard thing about this topic that you brought up i love the topic and i also hate it because it's like it's that nuanced it's these details in which you know you want the ending you want it you want the bow on it we all do yeah. like we all yeah. want the bow and there's That's just true. so many things like that in scripture where there's just no bow on it and it's like yes you know you have three questions and the answer well, is just yes you know well to your point i think you're right there's no bow on vulture boys episode 5 or whatever this is there's no bow on it but there might be a lot of bows out there with some of our readers or our readers our listeners you know what I mean? They yeah. might go, actually, my bow, I know what I have to do now. You know what I mean? Yes. Or somebody might even, who might be overly legalistic, unwrap a bow. I don't know. I'm just saying. So we're giving this to the people to make their own bows and do their own wrapping. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a good point. I think the, the, maybe the lesson to take for each person listening is to ask yourself, 
where are the things in which you yeah. know that are sinful for you that you maybe have been justifying based upon someone else's freedoms yeah. or yep. someone else's liberties? I think that's the that's the thing that I think would be that's what I want to do from this conversation is where yeah. do I justify certain things because of other people and I ignore what's actually going on in my own spirit and my own soul. Yeah. So Yeah. Oh man, uh, well I what were you going to say? I didn't I mean to catch say you have off. fun, have fun taking your kids to the zoo and enjoy hell. <laughs> enjoy the <laughs> wrath of God at the zoo. Well, that's the next one we need to talk about is a uh, we need to talk about ah, different views of hell. <laughs> oh, this All is day, baby. One. I can do it. I have. Well, a, oh man, I have a couple of different great, strong opinions about that. That's and then we a, also need to do uh, heaven, though, too. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, both, both end. I, I absolutely. But as we were, as you were mentioning yeah. it, that's what came to my mind first. Love to talk about different rings of that. So, are you uh, going to close us in a song today or yeah. something else? Here it comes. Come back to I didn't even hear what you said. That's not my fault. That's your fault. Listen to the podcast if you want to hear what I said. Okay? Count us okay, out. Bye, Casey. Bye. Bye. Bye.